Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, hello and welcome to the new series of Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kerry Como and myself, Simon Clark. And Kerry, have you been over the uh, six or eight weeks that we've had off? Surviving the rain, yeah, <laughs> just about. Plenty of it. And of course, the, all the farmers and the market gardeners and everything, they are struggling, aren't they? They really are. Years are changing, though, aren't they? The winters are so much wetter than I can ever remember them as a child. I know it's a few years ago now, but they seem to be a lot longer and damper. You don't get them real hard, cold snaps where it's dry for weeks on end. I can remember February lamb, and you'd always get a dry run. I can't remember this last few years. It's been wet the whole time through. Yeah, you know, vegetables are tough enough to pick when your hands are wet, but getting tractors in and out of fields... It's a problem as well because obviously there's certain feeding rings that they use and, you know, they all get muddy because they're all standing around them. And it it just, it looks a mess really, isn't it? And people think, oh, they're not looking after their stock, but it's not the case. That's true. That is very true. It's just the way the years are. And I think farmers are going to have to adapt their their methods of farming to address the the climate change and and the amount of rainfall we're getting now. It's it's getting so much more, but uh, it isn't a nice sight, but the animals are well looked after on this island. Mm, Well, not too much flooding around the Bulgum Rocks area but there's uh, been more of a problem with the feral goats that have seemed to have uh, you know risen in population over recent times and the MH one of the MHKs in the area Daphne Kane uh, she's been talking to me uh, about um, what they can maybe do to control this you know the potential health and safety aspects of it and uh, animal cruelty you know that uh, they just left there and obviously nobody's you know, owning them, so they're just left their own devices and causing a bit of havoc by the sound of it. Well, that's right, and also it's the inbreeding and the, just the, the genetic defects that come with it. They have to be looked after, and if this is a way of having to bring the numbers down to a more manageable level, then then so be it, really. Uh, well, we're not trying to reduce the number of bees on the island, though, are we? No, absolutely not. Um, Roger was over doing another great talk to the beekeepers and he was saying that last summer they had a, a great year and, and the bees are doing really quite well and he was just saying what we can do, you know, the public and just people in their home gardens to provide some foraging for the bees through the the, the early spells of spring and, and what plants to grow as well, which is a great interest as well. Yeah, because obviously the, what plants they're eating determine what the honey tastes like at the end of the day, isn't it? Well, this is it and some some you think some of the really flowery flowers will be great for them, but it's actually not like the gorse around the Isle of Man is supposed to be absolutely superb. So you learn something new every day, don't you? You do indeed. All right, here is this week's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, hello and welcome to the new series of Countryside and... Yeah. How's things been with you, Kiri? How's life on the farm? It's very wet on the farm at the minute, Simon, and uh, yeah, like waiting for spring to come show its head, really. it's It's been a bit of a tough winter, really. Yeah, and it's them difficult times, isn't it, where uh, some have different animals out still in fields that are trying to get to feed, and you can just see the amount of standing water that's around there, and you just have to forgive some of the farmers, ladies and gentlemen, for <laughs> dragging a little bit of mud out in the road because, you know, it's difficult to get in and out of the fields without it, isn't it? Well, that's right. Not everyone has the modern buildings that they can bring them indoors to, but I think it's just climate change. There's just... The winters aren't like they used to be when I was a child. They used to get real hard, dry dry spells, but now I just seem to see that wet, muggy weather 
prolonged for the whole of winter. You know, it's it's not cold, too cold. The animals are fine outside, but it's just the mess in the water and the and the mud that they make. And they don't look too happy outside, do they always? <laughs> no, it's one of them things. But the spring and summer is coming, so we look forward to that one. Anyway, not quite the season for bees flying around the countryside, Kerry, but there's been uh, some interesting people on the Isle of Man in recent times. That's right. Visitor Roger Patterson, he, he comes two or three times a year to have talks with our Manx beekeepers. And I caught up with him just recently to see how the year has been for the bees in general. Well, it's, it's, it's been very variable. Um, my own particular area in West Sussex, um, I've actually done very well in, in traditionally a, a sort of what we call uh, in Sussex a midland area. Uh-huh. It's, um, it, it's not particularly good for bees, but we've actually done quite well in my area. But the average crop... Uh, throughout England, as far as the British Beekeepers are concerned, British Beekeepers Association is £23.8 per colony, and I've averaged over 100 with mine. Oh my yeah. goodness me! I don't don't know what they've the, the, they've done here, but I understand some beekeepers have actually done reasonably well yeah. here last year anyway. And w- with the climate change, you hear people saying it's wetter for longer. Is it really affecting the, the bees themselves? I, I, I don't think it is. Uh, some of the things that are happening with bees, of course, people are looking for the easy option. Uh, and I think the, um, uh, the slight fluctu- fluctuations we've seen at the moment really aren't enough to, um, to have caused any, any problem because the variations are no more than seasonal variations uh, anyway. And how are bee numbers? Obviously, people don't realise how important they are to life. Um, on the Isle of Man, uh, there's no problem uh, because they haven't got any of the diseases that are, are, are causing the, the, uh, the, the lower numbers. Certainly in the um, rest of the UK, the mainland, it's, it's really beekeepers that are helping to keep the numbers up by management methods. But um, there's, there's not the loss of colonies that we're, we're, we're told uh, bee decline and that sort of thing. Uh, there would be if beekeepers weren't looking after their bees. And I see this year there's the arrival of the dreaded hornets. How will this affect? Well, the, uh, the, um, uh, the ocean hornet, that is. Um, we've got the uh, European hornet and have had for almost ever. Uh, I found out today that you actually haven't got the the, ocean, uh, the, um, the European hornet here. The problem is it will come in probably with uh, hibernating queens on cargo one way or another. That's probably my, my, my best bet of how it will come in. What it does, it, it predates on individual insects. It doesn't predate on uh, like full colonies. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's just constant. And I've spoken to people from the continent, France, where it's now in within 10 or 15 years just gone right, right throughout the country. Um, and uh, they very definitely say, uh, keep it out if you possibly can. Yeah. Uh, this is the Asian Hornet, of course, not the European Hornet. Yeah. But here on the Isle of Man, Roger, we're very lucky that it is disease-free. How important or, or valuable is that status? Oh, incredibly valuable. You've got overall some quite good bees here and it's important that those bees are kept disease-free, in my opinion, if we possibly can, uh, because you, you've got a genetic resource here. Now, the, the main problem with bees over the last 20, 30 years has been the varroa mite, which is a parasitic mite which parasitises both the adult bees and the brood, so the bees get hit twice. Now, that also transfers uh, viruses, 
Now the viruses were always there in, in, in most colonies at a very, very low level. But of course, in biting into the insects, the varroa mite then infects basically all it, all, all it bites. So they, they end up uh, not only having the varroa, which is a problem, but also the, the virus problems as well. And will this actually wipe out hives? Well, take, take one of the viruses, a deformed wing virus, you get bees born without wings. Oh. So, of course, if they can't fly, they, they can't go out to forage. Um, that is the most terrible thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were there, as I say, very, very low levels uh, previously, but now it's just, just exploded. What can people do on the Isle of Man to try and help protect, you know, the import of, of these diseases? Well, personally, I think the beekeepers have got to take the lead here because it's them that have got to keep pumping out the information. Look, please, 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 don't import bees. OK, there are probably signs at the airport and at the uh, ferry port and that sort of thing, but it's too late then. You've got to stop people buying queens and bees from elsewhere and then bringing them in to the island. And obviously, I've heard the story many a time, when you're putting your glass bottles out into the recycling bins outside, especially if you've bought honey from other sunny countries... They have to be washed out because this could also contaminate. Yes, there are a couple of um, brood diseases, uh, they're bacterial diseases, uh, which can infect honey. If they come from a colony that's been infected, the honey is, can be infected. And uh, if somebody buys, let's say, a pound jar of honey and they don't particularly like it and they just chuck it out in the bin, other bees will go in uh, and take the infection back uh, to their own hive. Now, there are two diseases involved, what's known as American fowl brood and European fowl brood, and to the best of my knowledge, no colony has had it in, um, in the island for 40 years or so. Now, it's a destruction situation. If a colony is infected, the whole colony is burnt. Yeah, dig a pit, burn it. So the only real chance of it coming in to this, um, this island is fire infected honey it's a low risk but it, it, it is a possibility yeah. it's just making people like you say more aware make, make people aware yeah yeah yeah. This, yeah you hear lovely stories about people helping out home by planting Cottage you know, could, yeah does it does it really help <laughs> um individually probably no but if everyone does it yes it certainly will what you need really is to have a look elsewhere and see what flowers bees are foraging on and try and plant those if you can. It's all very well uh, going and having a look at a list and, and that sort of thing, but have a look, see what there is elsewhere. Generally, the uh, single flowers, and sadly, generally, not the showy sort of flowers uh, either. So, you know, if you get a, a bright splash of something, it's unlikely that it's going to be much good for, for bees. Which plant do they particularly like best? Oh, all sorts of things. Things like Michaelmas daisies, they're really good because uh, they're towards the end of the uh, summer, and they're okay. Single calendulas are okay. We've uh, got plenty of gorse on the island. I'm sure that must be a little bit of an attraction to them. Uh, yes, it is. But I, I do hear that uh, some people think that it's not um, not good for bees, but it is, certainly for pollen. And you can see the pollen, that um, the colour of the pollen, it's a sort of light, light brown colour. And uh, just have a look on a gorse bush on a sunny day and you'll see bees foraging on it. It's a lovely sight when you see it. Yeah, the good thing is, Kiri, it's um, throughout the year. Yeah. It flowers throughout the year. So there's usually something Around for them. For them to, yeah, to yeah. eat. To get into beekeeping, Roger, is it difficult? They are. They seem quite scary little animals, but, but are they? They're only scary if you're scared of them. <laughs> um, no, not really. I think the thing to do is now the 
Beekeeping Association here, the Beekeeping Federation, have got uh, a teaching apiary. They've got, they seem to have quite a good um, uh, program of uh, teaching the beginners, beginners course. Uh, get on that and then go to uh, Shenhara where you can handle colonies of bees under supervision and that's that's the key thing under supervision so if you do get in any trouble somebody can help you out. There is a fun side there's so many good products out there there's lots of health benefits but one of the interesting facts that I've, I've learned this weekend is making mead essentially wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's something everyone everyone can do if they haven't got honey themselves there really is no no problem mm. there's quite a bit of honey on the island there's quite a lot of beekeepers sell honey or even supermarket honey, providing it's, uh, it's proper honey and not fake mm. honey. But let's, <laughs> let, let's not go down that road. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's ever so easy to make, yeah. very simple, and um, I think it's well worth it. <laughs> that was Roger Patterson from the Bee Improvement and Bee Breeders Association. Yes, always uh, something we talk about before, haven't we? But there's so many enthusiastic people um, that keep the bees and watch everything and are... Hiver survived. It did. And I just checked the bees the other week there, just to, oh, and I thought, oh no, those. And then there was a bit of buzzing, so I put the lid back on quickly <laughs> and, uh, and escaped out. <laughs> Before they got after yes. you. But it, it's just one of them things that it, where the, the dad's army don't panic always comes in because they always say, stay calm around them. But it's, it's not easy when they're all buzzing around your ears and, and no protection on. Well, that's right. But Roger says the Manx bees are improving. You know, they're, they're a lot quieter than they used to be. They used to be quite aggressive. But over time, the beekeepers on the island have got themselves a real calm bee now. So you can actually go into the hives without having to wear protective uniforms. Mm. And, and obviously this time of year, you want to be leaving them quiet, I suppose. Yes, the best honey in the world. Absolutely. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, in recent times, the amount of goats and the problems or potential problems that they're causing around the east coast of the Isle of Man, particularly around the Bulgham Rocks area, has come to light recently with questions asked in Tinwald, particularly by one of the members of GARF, Daphne Kane. Well, I went along and had a chat with her and put it to her that, is it five or six goats that's causing the trouble or has this escalated in the recent years? I think the issue is we all love the goats. There's a lot of affection for the goats, as I said when I was raising the question, but there's a fear and a, and a concern that, that perhaps their welfare isn't the best for some of the goats and also that they are being controlled in a very uncontrolled way and perhaps a, a policy on an optimum number for the goats or what the land and the area where they've lived for many years, what the optimum number is that could be to sustain there might be a good starting point. But I mean, I, I think now, having heard from three different marksmen who've been engaged by various landowners to control the goats on their property, I believe that upwards of 180, maybe even 200 goats have been culled in the last 18 months. And I would say now that there are still several goats that I've seen in the last couple of weeks. I saw a dozen at the dune just at the beginning of this week. Um, I'd say there's still a fair number of goats around and quite a few little kids but it would be perhaps a positive if there was a policy on sustaining the feral goats. One of the things I suppose the people that are driving along the coast road to Laxey and see an odd goat around the Bulgum area and I suppose the perception is that there's oh well there's only half a dozen goats or something there around that tiny area but how, how extensive is the problem? 
Well, I think um, last summer, certainly, I saw a population, two large groups of about 30 and 40, so a total of 70 goats camping out on the railway lines just up from Skinsco. I see them running up and down Bulgham Rocks, and they are spreading into the properties further and further up Balaric. Um, and also they're going much further north of here. So whereas they used to be particularly associated with Bulgham and the Dune area, they are now much wider spread over the barony land, I'm told. Um, and one of the commissioners mentioned that she had never seen so much of the dropping spreading so far north into Mackled. So I think that they've, there's, there's been a population explosion and the, the, the traditional land can only sustain food-wise and shelter so many. So they have been pushing further and further out and into Laxey. And old goats, they do suffer some health issues. And it, you, you don't like to see animals hurting, struggling and being in pain or, you know, health and welfare. There's also the concerns raised with me came from neighbouring farmers and householders who have been terrorised by goats, getting very aggressive, you know, obviously taking it that it's their property and they the, the owner is the intruder. So I think and the farmers do have concerns about Obviously the goats are not rounded up, they're not treated for various diseases that can be passed on to sheep. They're also, because they've been an expanding population, they're breaking fences and hedges and on farmland. I suppose one of the problems is, uh, if people see these goats distressed and everything and they may need veterinary care or something, people aren't just going to get money out of their own pocket to pay for them to be treated, are they? Well, I think a few householders have been in contact with three different marksmen who's contacted me since the questions were raised and I've heard from these three gentlemen that between them that they're responsible for humanely culling a large number of goats in the last 18 months. So I'm, I'm fairly confident now that the population has been controlled. Uh, my, my concern for the future would be that we don't let it get out of hand. I had a very interesting conversation with a clerk to Linton Council in North Devon who over several years have a similar problem. They have um, a collection of wild goats that have huge affection and uh, amongst the population. They're a tourist attraction. They also have a funicular railway so a lot of similarities with this area of the Alaman and their population lives on a common land area about a mile long and they had an assessment done to say it could sustain 50 to 70 goats and the population was over 250 and they were in a very poor state of health so they tried various methods to try to control the goats in Linton one of which involved £12,000 for a, a contraceptive scheme didn't have any effect whatsoever, complete failure so they then started a controlled culling of billy goats with the result they have reduced the population to around about 70 and the goats are a lot healthier, they're now producing two or three kids instead of one. They are a much better state of health and they, they are more contained in the traditional area of where they used to live. So I think, I think although it's hard to say, you know, if we, can, if we can welcome the population but sustain it and make sure there's perhaps a policy to say that the, the optimum number of goats and how best to maintain it. But I, th I think it's been done through landowners rather than led from DEFA. I think the population has been controlled and I think currently it's probably a good number. The numbers then, uh, have they increased over the years and if they have, why? I think it's um, just the... Uh, 
goats, and the, there was a there's a, um, a suspicion that a number of domestic goats have maybe been dumped in the area and have interbred with the traditional um, herd that was there because there used to be a white goat that was associated with the area above Skinsco and Bolgum and now they are every shade and a lot of brown and with very big horns as well and um, one of them the um, marksman told me when he had shot the goat it was riddled with ticks for a start it was in a very poor state of health um, and it was 23 stone it's wow. a big brown billy goat and he was causing an awful trouble for the um, householder who was there what about the the dangers i mean the, some of them are close to the railway line the roads and, and people with kids is, is that a worry too well i know that the the numbers that we've been seeing recently have meant that um children are not keen on walking home from school because they quite often see them on the road. It's okay when we're driving them to school and they run out, run away. They're not keen on going in the garden always because we get a lot of goats pushing through. Mainly they run away, but they're pushing through hedges and jumping fences and causing damage. Um, I heard from a farmer that he has seen goats in there. They do do damage to the boundaries, and obviously they're in farmland and mixing with sheep. There's the concern about the disease being passed on. In terms of road safety, I heard that there was a vehicle, I think quite a number of years ago, that was damaged by actually crashing into a goat. More recently, a cyclist, I'm told, crashed into a goat, came off his bike, fortunately was not hurt, but the bike had several hundred pounds worth of damage. The concern of people raised with me more recently is because of the numbers we've seen, perhaps last summer rather than now, was that what if the goats are on the road, because they, they are particularly at night, actually. What if they're on the road early morning and it's TT and a motorcyclist, a visiting motorcyclist, hits one? That would be really unpleasant and hopefully is not going to happen. And I think I think now that the numbers are more controlled, hopefully they will stay to their more traditional areas. I suppose there will be people listening going, well, I'd like to put something together to save them like they did in that, uh, you know, across the water and all. But the difficulty is you couldn't really move them from that area. And why would the landowners want that particular area kept for that, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. I think you know they're feral goats. They are a feature of Bulgum area, and we're very happy to see them there. The issue has been when the population has increased for whatever reason over time, that there hasn't been a policy to contain it and make it a sustainable population for the better health and welfare of the animals and the benefit of the whole area. And I think perhaps going forward, it would be good to see what comes out in the forthcoming animal welfare bill. The defer minister told me the. Animal Welfare Forum has made certain recommendations to do with this so no doubt we'll find out in the fullness of time if the department has a policy for the future. 20 years time we could be talking the same about wallabies. <laughs> we could <laughs> but hopefully not in Mackled. Daphne Kane one of the MHKs from Garth uh, discussing the uh, the wild or feral goat problem that uh, seems to be escalating over recent years around that area and it's uh, you know I've been reading some bits on it Kiri you know that because uh, obviously there's some people say oh let's can we can we put them here where, where are you going to put them that's the things that Daphne was saying and it seems cruel that you know they've got marksmen there but it, is it more humane than you know the poor ones suffering and of course you know the, the, the talk that maybe some people have have been given goats and to look after as pets and not wanted them and just left them there and that's how they've they've breeded into more ones and of course they've consulted the 
the Isle of Man part of animal health as well to get a lot of information from them. So, of course, it's not just decisions made just on on the hoof, so yeah. to speak. <laughs> this is it, but uh, anyone keeping goats will know how difficult they are to keep them in a pen or an enclosed area, that they are able to jump and climb, and they do cause an awful lot of mischief if uh, they're left to their own devices. And yeah. I suppose this is what's happened, especially with the neighbouring farmers. I can't imagine it'll go down too well with them eating the spring grass. Yeah, and when you see them on cartoons or on television programmes where they're coming up behind people and butting them from the back and things, it, they, they, they do happen, doesn't it? It does happen like that. This is it, especially the wild ones. They uh, are protecting their territory and, and that's that, isn't it? But hopefully they'll get on top of the, the problem. It is nice to keep a few out there, but when they get out of hand and cause awful geel, then it's a bit of an, an issue. Well, Kerry, recently you've been trying to find out, I don't know whether you succeeded or not, we'll hear in a minute, uh, about what's happening um, with livestock, obviously, in past programmes we spoke about the amount of livestock that goes off the Isle of Man, uh, mainly because of the, the prices that, and returns that farmers on the island are getting, isn't it? And, of course, the, the meat plant that it's been in the news you know, for the last few years, but, I mean, have you any news on that? Well, now that they've got the new company set up, the Isle of Man Meats Company Limited, the new board of directors, I caught up with Andrew Lees at a recent procurement meeting to have an exploratory meeting with some of the farmers, the suppliers, the retailers, just a few, just to see how things were progressing in, in the procurement situation. In terms of the Isle of Man Meat Company, we've, we've just got some producers and some retailers together just to start to understand in terms of what they would want to see as a procurement policy. It was just a, a, a small gathering and the whole thing is, I, I know there's the, the wider sector, absolutely want to be involved, but we have to start from somewhere and a small thing, getting, getting a starting to understand what the procurement policy should be means that when we, when we actually say this is what we're looking at, we have something to actually show the sector. So I think today was really crucial, gaining people's views and feedbacks, what they want to see differently and from there we can develop something that we can actually show the sector in terms of what our procurement policy will be for the new meat company. Obviously you have no time scale for the start of the new pricing grid. There is a comment today, the price will determine whether the animals come through the door. It seems to be a big factor. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, price will determine whether the animals will come through the door. Um, we have a number of things to do. We, we had the article signed, so the Alaman Meat Company is now up and running. We are in the process of working with the FMA with regard to the transfer agreement. And once everything's signed done and, uh, and done and dusted, um, yes, then the, the UK-based pricing will come in. But it will be that we, we need the support from the, the sector and from the producers and from the consumers ultimately, because they're the ones who are actually going to help us here is to actually buy Manx meat. Today you obviously have some butchers, some people you supply in and they were very very passionate about buying Manx produce. Absolutely I mean it was great, there was, it was quite a bit of positivity one of, one of the uh, farmers sat behind me turned around and says that there was no negativity in here, there was, there was honesty and that's what we want, it's an honesty we want to communicate and again going back to it, it, you know, it was just the beginnings it was just a small sort of workshop in terms of for us to understand what key people are wanting and then what we can then do is build something on top of that to let the sector know in terms of what this policy will be. been a lot of, like you say, negativity, lack of confidence. You need the reassurance to get back to the farmers because ultimately the calves are going to be born anytime soon. They need to know direction, really. Yes, and we're looking to get it done you know, within the next couple of weeks in terms of in terms of what this procurement policy will look like. We're happy to speak to anybody. We, we, we're in this sort of, again, still working with the FMA on the transfer agreement. But again, it's, it's, it's to give the confidence back into the sector that what we hear 
is trying to make sure the Alaman meats is still is still able there to, for the consumer to buy and will be there for a long time. Today's meeting, Andrew, was chaired by Andrew MacDonald, a former advisor from the Isle of Man, who's come back to actually help out and become a director of the new meat company today. And he understands farming from a layman's point of view as well, so it'll certainly help. Yeah, actually, Andrew, yeah, Andrew's uh, uh, is, is basically works for a lot of the Long Gold Partnership, and he now sits on the board of the Isle of Man Meat Company. And he's come in and he's using his experience to actually try and, again, help um, the, the agricultural sector. Um, so we've got a great team there. Um, um, and, and I think going forward, I think the enthusiasm's there. And, and I think hopefully uh, over the next few weeks and a few months and a few years, we'll see more and more Manx meat on, on, on shelves. That was Andrew Lees, a director of the Isle of Man Meats Company Limited. Well, you know, you've, you've got to take your hat off and for still people wanting to try and solve it, I suppose, who are involved um, in the industry as well. It is very difficult and as much as people have their own markets, they've found their own markets off the off-island, on-island, you know, some people have changed their farming methods, but it takes a long time to change a calving pattern or a lambing pattern to suit a local supply and demand. So um, whatever they decide, it'll have to be brought to the farmers really soon, to be honest, mm. especially for the forthcoming months. Well, I'm sure there'll be more on that uh, in recent ta- uh, months ahead here on Countryside, so we'll keep you updated on that. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, there we are, this week's Countryside. Uh, goat problems around the east coast of the island. But... The bee problem, well, thankfully, keeping lots of things off the Isle of Man that can harm them, and uh, the Isle of Man bee and honey industry seems to be uh, thriving, doesn't it? It really does. They can't uh, put out there how much it is, you know, don't import any products or bees to the Isle of Man. We have great healthy bees and just little ways that we can all look after them and, and protect the, the brilliant population we have here on the island. Indeed. All right, then we'll leave it there for this week's Countryside. We're back next week. So, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kerry Kermode. We'll see you next week. Ta-da. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So, don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shaw.com. Love being sure. Terms and conditions apply.